many people like to make a decision? Can I see hands if you like to make decisions? If you like to make decisions, okay. How many people are undecisive people that can't make a decision even if the decision is right before your face? Well, I have a friend, and I don't want to say any names. Uh, it's, a, it's a girl, and I live with her, and I've been married with her, but I don't want to say any names. And um, she is probably the most undecisive person I have ever met, you know. And I just want to give you a couple of examples. And this is a true story. Do you know that I have been asked what shampoo to buy? I don't even have hair. That's... She'll tell me, which shampoo should I buy? I haven't bought shampoo in over 25 years. I don't know what shampoo to buy. But tell me. I said, I don't know. She gets me so nervous that I pick any shampoo possible. And obviously, it's the wrong one because I have no idea. I mean, I don't know if you know what I'm talking about, but I'll be asked what to eat when I'm not even hungry. And I'm like, I don't know what you want to eat. And she's like, I don't know what I want to eat. So if I say something that's right, she doesn't want to hear it. And if I say something wrong, I'm wrong. So like, undecisive people, it's very difficult to... Uh, approach a circumstance to make a decision. Do you know what I'm talking about? But at the end of the day, no matter what, to make a decision, it's hard. If it's right or if it's wrong, to make a decision in life, it's hard. And, and what I've learned in this life is that you become an individual that makes the right decision after making wrong decisions. I think that making the right decisions is something learned. Like, you don't wake up all of a sudden and start making right decisions the moment you can till throughout your future. I mean, it's very difficult. I think that we become individuals that make better decisions as we make wrong decisions. You guys know what I'm talking about? I think that as individuals, when we are approached with an opportunity to make a decision, the Lord is always teaching us something. He's always teaching us to run to his throne, to understand what God wants. And you know what the hardest thing about decisions? And this is the root here, and this is my message this morning. The hardest thing about making a decision in our lives is putting our will under God's will and doing what God wants. Can I hear a good amen this morning? I think that that's the hardest situation when we have to come to making a decision where we say, God, what is it that you want? And us deep down inside having a drive and us having a will. You know the awesome thing about being the church? You know what the greatest thing about being the church is? Is that we have a will and we have the opportunity and the power to choose God over anything else. The fact that we as a church, as a bride of Christ, can sit before God and say, God, I'm going to choose you instead of choosing whatever I want. Because I've seen in my life that as I make a decision, there is a clash. There is a, a chaotic clash of wills when we have to make a decision. And that's my will with God's will. When we say, God, what is it that you want instead of what I want? And you know that? The greatest thing about God is that he allows us to make a decision. He allows us to make a decision in our lives, in our marriages, in our ministry, in every circumstance of our life. God gives us the awesome blessing to be able to make a decision. Because at the end of it all, when we make the right one, we give him glory. When we make the wrong one, we learn from him. So today, the title is Making the Right Choice. 
And I hope here today as I share this and, and I reveal my heart and I share some, some personal stuff like I usually do when I preach the word of God. I hope that today as we approach certain decisions that we have to make in our lives that we recognize what God wants above all things. Before anything else, before we take a step, before we do absolutely anything, we recognize what is it that God wants from us. Here's uh, the definition of what a decision is. It's a choice that you make about something after thinking about several possibilities. How many people make a choice like that? Like you think about different possibilities. Because there are some people like that. Like you won't make a decision until you know about all the possibilities. And then there's some crazy people that just make a decision just very on the spur of the moment. Just very there. It's very impulsive. Do I have any of those people here today? You're part of my team. I, I am, you are in my team. Very impulsive that you just make the decision. After you make the decision, you say, oh, my God, hold one second. God, did, was that the right decision? I, I do that a lot, especially when I'm, 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 I'm faced with a lot of decisions. Today, we're going to talk about a story that you've learned many years ago, and you've heard maybe in, in, uh, if you were a part of a children's Sunday school. But I want to read the story of Jonah today, and I want to talk about certain points that I hope that it drastically changes your view on Jonah and that it changes your view on your life and how you make decisions. Today we're going to read a story that God uses certain things. He uses uh, different uh, people and he uses different things to present his points. It's, it's a great story. Jonah, people think about Jonah as a story of just a rebellious person. And I look at the story of Jonah and I look more into it. And you may be saying, Pastor, what do you mean? Well, I look at the story of Jonah and I see God's love for man. I see God's pursue of man. It's not just about a rebellious person, which that is uh, a very important part of the story. But this story really captures my attention because there is a holy God that wants to deal with a sinful people. And he wants to deal with a sinful people in such a way that he will not let go of his people despite their mistake and their poor decision making. So let's get into the story of Jonah as we get into it. And you're going to see the chaotic moment here of, of Will's battling. And, and this is an awesome story. Uh, in the book of Jonah chapter 1 verse 1 it says, Now the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the son of Amittai. Now, just right off the bat, can we agree that Jonah has a relationship with God? Yes, we can, right? Jonah was a man called by God. He hears God's voice. This is pretty simple. God comes down and is going to speak to him. Verse 2, and this is what God wants from Jonah. How many of us know that God wants from everybody? Now, and I want to relate this story in such a way that we can apply it to our lives. Verse 2, it says, arise. Go to Nineveh, the great city, and cry out against it, for their wickedness has come up before me. Now, just a simple question. Are the directions easy? They're very easy. What does God want Jonah to do? Go to Nineveh. That's pretty simple. How many of us can say, man, that's as easy as it can get? And then not only that, but God tells him, go to Nineveh. Now, the task may be a little bit difficult. It's a difficult task, but God spoke to him, and God told him clear direction, and he told him, go to Nineveh. Their sin and their wickedness have, has come up before me. How many people see just the plan of God perfect right before his eyes? 
right? I hope that you don't judge Jonah because I've been a Jonah before where God's plan has been so clear before me, just so clear. Leo, this is what I want you to do. This is exactly what I want you to do. Now, obviously, God hasn't called any, any one of us to go to Nineveh, but there is a want that God wants in your life, a want that is clear, a want that is simple, practical. It's God telling you to do something, but deep down inside, as we see in this story, our wills clash. Now, you have to know what's going on in Jonah's heart and mind. Jonah was an individual that God is calling him to go preach to his enemies. Now, if you think of enemies and you think uh, of whatever circumstance or situation that you think of an enemy, enemies are not nice. They've done things against you. They've hurt you. They've persecuted you. They've done some horrible stuff against you to be considered an enemy. And now God is telling Jonah, I want you to go to the enemies and share life with them because their wickedness has come before me. And Jonah's like, I can't do that. I can't do that. Do you know the hurt I have inside? Do you know everything I've gone through that you're asking me now, God, to go to Nineveh and share about your grace and your love? God, I can't do that. And you know, the greatest thing about God and his work on earth is that he doesn't care about our opinion. And at times we use our experience and our past as a crutch. And what God wants to tell you is to let go of your past, not use it as a crutch because he's going to do something new and something good. And in order for you to see what God is going to do, you got to let go of your past experiences. And that's what God is telling Jonah. You cannot use your past experiences, your trials, and everything that you've gone through with Nineveh to judge them. You got to let go. You got to let go. I've just started here this morning. I've just started here this morning. Verse 2, he's saying, Jonah, I need you to go preach to them. I need you to go share your heart. And it says this, verse 3. You guys know the story, but if you didn't know the story, verse 3 says, Jonah got on the boat and went to Nineveh, right? That's what you would think. Because why else would he not go? Do you know how many times we are faced with a decision faced right before us that it is as clear as day and it is as easy as it gets and we look at the decision and we do what Jonah does? May it be because of our past experiences and what brother so-and-so did to us yesterday and what my first relationship did with me and what my, how my father raised me up and how my mom treated me or I grew up without a mother or I grew up without a father and we allow all these things to dictate how we're going to make a decision that is faced right before our very eyes. So it isn't just about Jonah being The Spanish word is encaprichado, right? Like, just being so stubborn. It's not just that. And you have to understand that people just don't make dumb decisions to make dumb decisions. There are certain things that drive people that make them do dumb things. That's why I don't like judging people because I don't know their whole story. Maybe they don't make a decision that's so obvious because of what they've gone through or what they're going through. Like Jonah. I can't look at Jonah and say, what is this? I I don't know who was killed by a Ninevite. I don't know who was raped by a Ninevite. I don't know what what, 
what Jonah went through, what he saw, that his heart is so against them. I can't, I can't, I, I can't sit here and say, Jonah, you're such a fool. Because I've been in situations in my life that because of what I've experienced, it detours my decisions. So I have to die to myself. And I have to say, Lord, take over this flesh because if not, my decisions are going to be terrible. So in verse 3, you thought. You thought he just got in a boat and went to Nineveh. But he didn't. Verse 3 says, and Jonah rose. And it says he flew, he flew to, he flew to, flee to. He didn't have wings. But Jonah rose to flee to, that's what it says. But Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish. He didn't go to Nineveh. He didn't go. But what I want you to realize is the process he went through. It says in verse 3 that he went to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. He went down to Joppa and found a ship going to Tarshish. Somebody say found a ship. I'm going to stay on this verse quite a bit because I really like this verse. This is the whole process of decision making. Here it is. Let me break it down for you. But Jonah rose to flee to. See, I wasn't, I wasn't to Tarshish. And he went to do that because he wanted to flee the presence of the Lord. Now, when you read that verse and you see what it says, you might be saying to yourself, how foolish, Jonah, how foolish are you to flee from the presence of the Lord? How is that possible when David in the book of Psalms, chapter 139, verse 7 says this, where can I go from your spirit? Oh, where can I flee from your presence? This is David speaking, verse 8. If I ascend into the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, you are there. This is David talking. He says, if I go to heaven, you're there. If I go to hell, you're there. If I take up wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me and your right hand shall hold me. Look, I want to say a comment that I hope you allow me to explain it because it's a comment that, that's, that you'll be like, hmm, Pastor, what do you mean? And, and I want to share this with you because God's presence isn't limited to good. Now, what does that mean? This is what this means. That I have many people in my church, and I know a lot of people in this church, that you weren't saved in the four walls of the church. I have people sitting in this room that I've had prior experiences to, that I threw away their drugs because God was speaking to them. I have people in my church that were high in a, in a club, and God spoke to them. I have people in my church that were in the middle of adultery and they heard a voice and they said, and the voice said to them, get out. I have people in my church that driving home felt so horrible that they sat outside their car before they walked into their house weeping because of what they had done. What does that mean? That you cannot stop God's presence because of your state. God doesn't only save in these four walls. God saves in the uttermost of the pits of hell. His presence is not limited just to this place. And you will notice in Jonah's life that as bad as he got, God's presence pursued him. Because God's presence wasn't limited to just good in a church service. Not just in a church service. Because God's presence cannot be limited God's presence can go anywhere and everywhere and reach whoever, whoever it may be. Let's go back to verse 3 here. This is awesome because obviously we know we can't run from God. 
I don't know if you're running. You got your running shoes on today. I don't know where you're at in making decisions. But this guy right here was running from God, running from his presence. God gave him a command. And now he went to Tarshish, but before he leaves to Tarshish, the Bible says he goes to Joppa. And, and you have to get a picture of what Joppa is, and I hope I can explain it in a way where it's so applicable that I can take you in time and take you to that story. So God speaks to him. He wakes up that day and he says, I have a plan, because how many of us know we have a plan? Yes, when God speaks to you, it doesn't matter what God says, you have a plan. You have a plan. My dad and my mom always told me, you have a plan and you're going to, when it's in here, you're going to do it no matter what. So Jonah wakes up in the morning. He goes to Joppa. What happens at Joppa? So he's at Joppa. There's a dock in Joppa. Merchants come in, merchants come out. It's a water city. You know, it's just an, an ingoing of boats coming in and out, right? So here is Jonah. I do believe that Jonah was a man that loved God and feared God because if not, God wouldn't have given him that task. Do you understand? So here's Jonah on the dock. And he's at the dock and, and, and the Bible says he found, he found, right? That's what it says. And found a ship. How many of us know that we can always find a way to get out of God's plan? Oh, this is going to get so good. <laughs> if, if you've seen me excited, I'm just going to get a little bit more excited here today. So he's at the dock and, and there's, there's boat A, boat B, boat C, boat Nineveh, boat D. Boat, there's a bunch of boats at the dock. There's not just one boat. And I can just imagine Jonah saying, man, what do I do? What do I do? How do I do this? What am I going to say? How am I going to go about this? I don't want to go. I mean, you can consider yourself and think of yourself walking on the dock of Joppa and recognizing that God wants you to love that person, wants you to forgive that person. He wants you to do this certain thing. And you're just walking back and forth and saying, God, what is it that you want me to do? And you're praying to God, but God has already given you the word. But but you're trying to find a way out. So as you walk on this dock of decisions, right, you see all these different boats and you hear so-and-so or whatever that situation is whispering in your ear, come with me. And you're walking past the dock and you're saying, I don't want to go with that person. And then there's another boat and there's so many boats on this dock and you have to bear down and make the right decision. And of course, of course, of course there's a boat that is leaving to Tarshish, and he looks at it, and I can guarantee that there was a boat going to Nineveh as well, but which boat did he choose? Tarshish. He found one. Even if 10 of them were going to Nineveh, he found one that was going to Tarshish. He found it, so it shows me that he had to make an effort to go against God's will. And that's the way it happens in our lives so many times as we are placed before the dock of decision making in our lives. There are going to be so many boats going in and out. And you have to recognize what God has called you to do and who God's called you to be so that you can pick the right boat to go out of. Because until the day you die, there's going to be boats coming in and out calling your name. So he found the boat. Did God stop him? You want to go to Tarshish? Oh, 
Let's go to Tarshish. I gave you all the options. I can guarantee that I know God. I, I really do. I don't know him 100% because I'm, I'm human. But knowing God and knowing my life, I've seen more decisions to choose God than it is to not choose God. That's what I've learned in the dock of decision making. And the ones that go against God, I have to effort myself to choose if I have some real people that can help me out here today. So, he's going to Tarshish, and what does it say? He paid the fare. There is a price to pay to go to Tarshish. Oh, the cost of being disobedient. I don't know if you're in Joppa needing to make a decision, and you have all these bolts before you, and you haven't made a choice. My voice of reasoning, and I pray that the Holy Spirit as well speak to your heart today and you choose wisely. And maybe you've paid the fare. And it's a high price to pay, man. It's a tough price. So it says that he pays the fare. And he got into the boat. If I was Jonah, I'd be like, God spoke to me and told me to go to Nineveh, and I'm getting on a boat to go to Tarshish. I'd make sure the boat is floating because I know I'm doing wrong, right? But how many of us know that when we make the wrong decision, we kind of like tiptoe on it, you know? And we make sure it can get us. And then all of a sudden, from one step, the next step comes in place, right? And you're like, whoa, not too bad. And although you've done what God has told you not to do you're, you're on this boat and you're like well it's, it's okay and, and and before you know it it's like you you belong in the boat it's like yes this boat was created just for me and here's the thing God let him cho- choose the boat God let him pay to get on the boat and God let him sail off on the boat all of a sudden you are party hardy listen summer cruise Tarshish here I come Party 2016, let's get wild up in this place. It's in our lives when we make decisions like this and we go against God's will just because it seems to be okay. We think we get away with it. And he takes the step into the boat to go to Tarshish and all of a sudden he's probably sitting there wondering what's going to happen now. Nothing happens. They get off the dock. They sail off. And he's in the sea. As a matter of fact, if you continue reading, he was so comfortable with the circumstance that the man fell asleep knowing he was being disobedient to the Lord. You know what that means? And you know what that shows me? That in our lives, there are so many times that when we make that wrong decision, we think we've gotten away so, we think, we've, we, we, we think we're so slick That we think that God has not only forgotten about it, but that he's allowed it to it. And that his will is going to change to mine. So we think we get away with certain stuff. Verse, you know, and people people don't want to hear what I'm about to say, but but I just got to share the word of God. Verse 4, let's bring that up. Look look at verse 4.
God is so good. Can you say amen? What a good God we have. Qué lindo es el Señor. Hallelujah. You know those people that are living in the boat of Tarshish and they think it's okay. I'm here to tell you today, and, and, and you may not hear this in a lot of places, but I am a firm believer that God will send a, a wind and God will bring a storm and God will cause a disaster and God will cause chaos. And it's not because God is a bad God. It's not because he's a mean and cruel God. It's because he's a God that loves his people. And he wants his people to get back to where they need to get to. I see this wind being sent as a form of love, not punishment. How many people sitting here today were, you could remember that day where you were faced with that substance or you were faced with that person and you were faced with a certain circumstance and you had to make a decision and God forced your hand to make the decision. I know testimonies of individuals that the minute they decided to follow Christ, the moment they tried to smoke a joint, it couldn't go down right, and they vomited. I know people that the minute, there's some crazy miraculous stuff I've heard of testimonies from cocaine snorting to partying on tables and doing all kinds of crazy stuff, how God just put certain situations where they had to change. It's God's love. I love this because it says that the Lord sent out a great wind on the sea and there was a mighty tempest on the sea so that the ship was about to be broken. Do you know how hard those winds have to be? And you know what Jonah was doing? Sleeping. His life was in shambles. He was about to lose his life and Jonah was chilling. The decision that he made had blinded his certain situation that he was in at the moment. How many people have you seen on the boat to Tarshish living a life that's a lie and their life is right before them fading? Fading. Like you tell them, do you not see your life, dude? Do you not see what's going on? Do you not see your wife? Do you not see your children? Wake up. Have you ever said that? Here's Jonah. I look at this story and I think of my life and, and I remember the times where the storms come. And you know, there are times where any storm that comes is allowed by God. Can we say Amen. But there are certain storms that come because of our sin. Not every storm comes because of our sin. But there are storms that come because of our sin. I've been in my life where I've sat down and I've held on to the Lord and I said, God, I know that this isn't happening because of you. <coughs> I know this isn't happening because of my church or my family or my marriage or my job. God, I know this is happening because of my rebellious spirit. I know it. I know this is happening because I rebelled against you. So we're in the same page on the story. He's at the port. He chooses the wrong boat. He finds the wrong boat. He's in the wrong boat. And now the Lord sends a storm. I told you when I started this sermon that the, more, the point of this story is that God wants to deal with man. That God wants man in a relationship. That God wants to use man. That God needs man on this earth to perform his will. To continue the great commission. He needs us. And this story just gets better. This story just gets better. 
the mariners who were the sailors were so afraid, they started praying to their gods. They didn't know what in the world was going on. It was like a beautiful day, and all of a sudden, everything just turned upside down. Have you ever been there in your life? And here it is. The mariners are just talking amongst themselves, figuring out what's going on. They start throwing stuff overboard. They're going frantically, what's going on here? As a matter of fact, they took their last option to wake up Jonah because he was asleep. And he said, Jonah, hey, what are you doing asleep? I can't even believe you're sleeping. So he wakes, they wake up Jonah and they said, pray to your God. Listen, do something. So Jonah shuts his eyes. Before he even shuts his eyes, he opens them back up and he confesses, listen, man, I'm running from the Lord. This is what I've done. Here's the whole truth and nothing but the truth. It's like Chunk from the Goonies just sharing everything. Listen, when I was in fourth grade, I, I am when I was in fifth grade, I, that Jonah just starts revealing his whole heart before the mariners and saying, it's my fault, man. It's my fault. You know how many Christians I've met that? Pastor, it's just my fault. When I was I just did this, I just did that. I'm like, I'm like, and I just asked how you were doing. No, but I have to tell you, I did this, and, I, and they're just letting it all out and letting it all out. I'm like, okay, okay, okay. Okay, so, so just pray to God and let this stop because... So the storms continue, and they start getting crazy, and, and the mariners say, listen, let's just row this guy to, sh- to shore. Let's get this guy off our boat, and let's get him on shore, because obviously his God is the one that created all this, and really, I don't want any problems with his God. His God means business. So here they are, the sailors rowing. You know, they're not Christian, they're sailors. You know how fishermen talk. They're, they don't have the cleanest language. They edited that part, but I can only imagine what they were telling Jonah on the way in. And they look at each other and they say, we can't do this. The storm is too much. Look, we're going to have to do something. So they tell God, listen, we're going to throw this guy overboard. So Jonah says, listen, think of Jonah. God spoke to him. He went to Joppa. He made the wrong decision knowing. He got in in the wrong boat knowing. All this is happening. Do you think he should just look up to the Lord and say, Lord, I surrender? Forgive me. That's, that's the common thing to do. Do you know what he says? Throw me over so I can die. But do you know that our past experiences can drive us past our normal judgment? How many of us know that we make decisions in today's day and age that are totally absurd because of what we've gone through, what we've seen, and what we've allowed the enemy to do in our lives? Jonah wasn't making this decision. He was a stubborn guy. But more than that was pushing his decision. And it was that he didn't want to preach to his enemies because of his hurt, his his life, and what he was going through. So throughout this story, you will see that Jonah had a plan versus God's plan. And there's a verse that I want to share with you in the book of Proverbs, chapter 14, verse 12, that I want to share with you because it's probably a verse that will open up your eyes and maybe encourage us to seek God and pray a little bit more before we make decisions. 
There is a way that. That's for you guys to, to say what comes next. <clears throat> I've trained the way. I, I, I mean, there is a way that. You know how many times I've made decisions that it seems right to me? Come on. To an extent, I'm thinking Jonah must have seemed it was right. And what's making him seem right was error. Today, you must understand that just because it seems right doesn't mean it's right. Jonah seemed it was right to go to Joppa. He thought it was right to get into the boat of Tarshish. He seemed it was so right that he laid down and he fell asleep. Some of you are living life thinking it seems right because God hasn't come in and stopped it. And it's not that God hasn't come in and stopped it. It's that his grace is there. But any minute and any moment, he will send the storm. And he doesn't do that because he wants to harm you, but because he loves you and he wants to bring you back. Give the Lord a clap offering this morning. Amen. Some people tell me, Pastor, it's just that he's such an awesome guy. Is he? Yeah. It's awesome. Awesome. Wow. How awesome. He's just awesome, Pastor. He loves his mom. You should see how he treats me, Pastor. He's so good. What church does he go to? Oh, he doesn't go to a church yet. This job, pastor, it pays so good. Oh, it's so awesome. What does your wife say about it? I haven't talked to her yet. How many of us understand what I'm trying to tell you here today? That just because things seem good, and just because you're in the ride and you fell asleep because you thought God had forsaken, and I'm here to tell you that God loves you so much, he's not going to leave you that way. So what do you think? Jonah says, hey, get me out right now and throw me off the ship right now. I'm out of here. Get me out right now. So he goes, all right. They threw him over. So guess what? Verse 17. Jonah chapter 1. Now the Lord. The Lord sent a storm, and now he prepares. He says, now I'm going to get this guy. That's the fish, Danny. That's the fish. I want to break this down as practical as it can be. God gives you the opportunity to make a decision in comfort. You see the comfort in Joppa? There was comfort in Joppa, super comfort. Oh, man, Job. How many of us have ever been in a situation where you say, man, I wish I would have never made that decision. I would never be in today's circumstance. You see, God gives us the ability to choose and make the right decision in comfort. Here it is. You're in Jopa on the deck, ready to make a decision. Make the decision, child. I want to see what you're going to choose. And God is looking down in comfort, and you make your decision. 
And now your decision has led you to a consequence that you are now in a boat to Tarshish and you are approached with a storm. The storm is so savage that now God gives you the opportunity to make a decision, not in comfort, but in worse circumstances. And you choose not to make the right one. Guess what happens? Guess what happens to your circumstances? They get worse. So I'm here to tell you that you don't have to make your decision when the diagnosis comes. You don't have to make the decision when you're in divorce. You don't have to make the decision when you're bankrupt. You don't have to make the decision when you hate each other. You don't have to make the decision when it's too late. Don't wait till the Lord prepares the fish to swallow you and make you be in situations that are hellish. And God says, if you don't repent now, I don't know what's going to happen. And some of you right now have taken steps. Do you know that your life doesn't just turn the way it is overnight? Our life turns as we make decisions. May it be turning to the right way or turning to the wrong way. Every decision we make progressively leads you to a circumstance or a state. And here we've seen Jonah's decisions progressively lead him into a place that God took him, but is not what God wants him. And in the midst of it all, God has you in the palm of his hand waiting for you to make the right decision. And I'm here to tell you today that you don't have to let it get so bad. You don't have to let your marriage get to the point it gets to. You don't have to wait. You don't have to let the enemy have a foothold on you. You can say no and you can make the right decision. You can make the right decision in the dark. You can make the right decision on the way to Tarshish in rebellion. You can make the right decision in the belly of the fish as a prodigal son was dwelling with the pigs and feasting with them until one day he looked around himself and he said, oh good God, what am I doing here? And the Bible says that he came to his senses and he looked around himself and he recognized who he was, who his dad was and he says, what am I doing living here? Because God has given us the gift to make a decision and have a will. And the glory of this is to have a bride, a church, husbands and wives, youth and young adults that stand in the dark of life and they see lust and pornography and they see the drugs and they see the world and they see everything that social media offers. And it offers everything that you lack and you look at people's lives and you say, man, look at how they're living. And then something starts coming out within you. If I have some friends, you can shout amen whenever you want to. And you're standing at the dock. And what I pray that this message creates a bunch of individuals that in comfort and at the dock of Joppa can look and say, God has called me to be a faithful husband. God has called me to be a faithful wife. God has called me to be a faithful steward. And for you to recognize what God has called you so you won't make the mistakes. But when you do make the mistakes, because you will make them, that you can look into the heavens, the one who created them, and say, God, here I am. Forgive me of my decision-making, God. Forgive me. I am so sorry. I don't think anybody is exempt from this sermon. 
And if you think you're exempt, then I don't think you were listening to me this morning. Because everybody's got to make decisions. And may it be easy or hard, it's still a decision. And, and I want to tell you here today that you can't run from God. You can't. You cannot flee from His presence. You cannot make a decision to not do what God has called you to do. So today, I want to pray for new life. I, I want new life to be the bride. I want you to be the church that could stand before your opposition and stand before the temptation and stand before the boats going out and whispering in your ear and saying, I will not choose it. I will not. I will stand strong and choose Nineveh. I will not go to Tarshish. I will not. And I want to pray for self-control because it's your lack of self-control that leads you to look for another boat because God presented the boat you need to go on you just found the wrong one you found the wrong one we could find the wrong one a lot of times so just where you're sitting there today if you have to make a decision and you see yourself at the dock just close your eyes where you're at. The word of the Lord is clear. He wants you to please him. He doesn't want you to live in the ways that you seem right. Because the remainder of that verse, it says that those that seem right, at the end it ends to what? It leads to what? Destruction and death. God is looking at you. You have not gotten away from it. Just because you're living like that, it doesn't mean God is approving of it. And I'm here to warn you and tell you that when the storms come, oh, don't blame God. Just run to Him. If you need to make a decision today, come before His presence. Say, God, strengthen me to choose the right path. Today, if you're in the boat, don't say, throw me off. Say, come, God, save me. I've been running long enough, God. And I want to serve you and please you, God. If your life right now is a living hell and you see yourself in the stomach, in the pit, in the worst place, be like that prodigal son and be like Joan. Lift your eyes to the mountains. Say, God, here I am. Forgive me. God, I pray for this church right now. I pray for every man and every woman here today, God. I pray for their will, God. I pray, Lord Jesus, right now that as I've shared this word, that your Holy Spirit minister to their hearts, oh God, and reveal to them the truth and your purpose and your plan that is greater than ours, oh God. I pray that we live this life to please you, Lord. I pray, oh God, that we don't find ways that are easier, oh God, but we find ways to please you. God, I pray for every marriage. I pray for every single individual here today. I pray for every young and old individual, Lord God, that is faced with a decision, Lord, that you give them wisdom that, as the book of James says, that when we lack it, oh God, to ask for it. My God, bless your church. Make your church a wise church that can make right decisions that please you.
Let us make decisions that honor you, oh God. From the smallest to the greatest, that we honor you. And that's in the precious name of Jesus. And together we all sing. Can you give the Lord a clap offering this morning?